Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. This is season two of Barbecue and Tech, episode three. We are talking about pulled pork people. I'm your host, Rod Simmons, joined by my partner in crime, co-host, and favorite barbecue guy, Chris Ashley. What up, man? What's up, my brother? Uh, our break was good, but man, I'm telling you, I'm I'm so happy to be back and talking about barbecue. Well, here's the problem, right? We take this break. Um, we start having all these ideas for season two. We, we don't stop cooking. And then it spurs more conversation. And it's like, oh, we're going to spend about eight hours talking barbecue again. So it's, it's kind of funny. Um, how that works, but uh, you know, so, so happy to be rolling. Love the episode with Tony talking about you know because now I'm thinking about grabbing an offset smoker, not to replace the smoker I have, but in addition to the smoker that I have, and uh, just so I can just do different styles of some barbecue. I can't argue, man. I told, I mean, I've told you before that I've been checking out the, I think it's the Mill Scale 94, mm-hmm. uh, but I wouldn't be doing it until I. Uh, I do a, a backyard remodel because one, we have a deck and we both, my wife and I have both decided we definitely know we'd like to go with a patio mm. and I know, and we want to expand it, which means I'll have more room to put stuff. Cause on the deck right now I have two smokers. Right. And, and plus I have a big thing that holds like the stuff for my smoker. So I would rebuild that into like a stone face, right. drop the egg in one area of the smoker, drop the Mac in another area. And then right. I would have my third smoker in there. Unless she says we have to get a. Only, a, only uh, people that listen to this podcast literally decide design their backyards based on the smokers that they use. <laughs> man, <laughs> they, people like, Oh yeah. I want to have a nice little grill area. We're like, no, no, no grill area. Yeah. Default smoker area. <laughs> a must. An absolute must. Yeah, we might so actually it, have even seating out there, but I mean, the smoker is number one because believe me, I, and I know anybody. If you, here's the thing, you can always tell the difference between somebody who is really into barbecue and someone who likes to do stuff once in a while when it is freezing cold outside, and you're like, eh, it's two degrees out or it's negative four. I'm still lighting up my barbecue and making food, and you're dude, doing I, it. All winter long, and I have no problem. I keep a shovel next to the back door, not so I can get to the shed, but so I can get to my smoker. <laughs> no, no, no issue at all. I even I even ran a snowblower back there once, just so I could get to my smoker. But yeah, so I don't know. So we'll see if uh, we, if I take this plunge and go down this this road and just learn 
the offset smoker because it'd be a whole different type of smoker for me as far as I'm concerned because I've never had an offset smoker. I've, I've seen them. I've right. kind of, you know, eaten food off of them for sure. You know what I mean? But I've never actually used one and learned the nuances of it. And that's why I was happy to get Tony on here and, and you know, learn some stuff from him. And uh, it's, I'm very interested. I love my smoker. So make no mistake. In fact, if I get an offset smoker, it'll probably be from the same company that my smoker is from. But uh, yeah, it just it would just be a, a different style and and understanding you know how it works and because with that right there's no temperature control there's no gauge there you know it's just it's it's one on one with the great one as the gotcha. would say so yeah we definitely want to thank all the people that's been joining us on the Discord love seeing the food in there love seeing the conversation love the tips you know folks putting out there hey I saw this deal on this thermometer love that. Um, love the different you know, th- thermometers that I've never even seen before. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, Actually, I want to touch on that because there was one question in there that I I think I felt like I jumped in the thread late uh, and it was around the meter. And mm-hmm. do people like the meter? Let me be utterly clear. The meter, I absolutely love it. And I think you've touched on it before in the past, Chris, and I know we want to jump into some tips before we get into talking about uh, pulled pork, but the Ambient temperature alone is worth its weight in gold. And I, I will double probe, like if I'm making something like a pork shoulder, I will double probe, but I have no problem, um, to putting multiple probes in so I can, mm-hmm. I can measure. But the fact that for 90% of the smoke meat you're going to, the meat you're going to smoke, it's already in their catalog. They already know the desired smoke to temperature that you probably really want to take your barbecue to. Mm-hmm. And you get the warnings. You start as you start moving and progressing in your cook. You get an estimated cook time. That kind of stuff allows you to say, "I'm trying to make a barbecue sauce." It says I have you know another hour and twenty minutes. I'm going to run out to the store get the ingredients I need for the barbecue sauce, which I forgot to pick up yesterday or something I'm missing. Right. And then the ability to see the progression of your cook over time and access it when you're not home, man, it's curtains. Like it's just it is. They've done a really good job with it, and I do like it. It is a grip. I'm not going to lie. It, it hurts when you pay for it, but I, I'm i very happy I bought it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I've used a lot of temperatures, uh, con, uh, temperature controls, uh, remote thermometers uh, for a long time. Hands down, the absolute best one I've ever used, for, for sure. And yep. uh, for all the reasons that you mentioned, as well as... Uh, you know, the, just the fact, especially the larger smoker you get, the more important it becomes to understand, you know, it, how what is the offset in temperature between the different zones on your smoker, right? Because you want to know if I put something here um, and I got a bigger brisket and a smaller brisket, you know, maybe I want to put the bigger brisket where it's like, you know, five degrees hotter. And understanding all of those little nuances as you do, you know, I got a buddy who's got a party coming up and he wants me to smoke like probably about a good you know, 10 chickens for them. You know what I mean? So being able to understand that, you know, the lower my smoker could can tend to be, the lower back corner can be a little bit hotter than, the, you know, than other parts of it. And so maybe I want to rotate the food that's there or something like that. Yeah, it's it, it, the meter makes that process a lot easier to to understand and, and deal with. So, yeah, so for anybody considering it, and remember, you don't have to buy four, right? You can go with a smaller subset um meter um they have like a i think they just introduced a two and then you can just buy one but uh yeah the 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 ambient temperature in addition to the food temperature definitely my favorite feature yep 
Um, the other thing I was going to say is anybody who is looking at iGrill, um, iGrill, they do a good job and, and they have some of the similar features. The final reason I think you would agree with this, Chris, there's nothing worse with wired smokers, smoke cables than over time. They just start to wear if you have to close a door on it constantly yeah. and, or you get a, a spike in temperature where you, and often you don't know the cable is bad until you go put the probe in the meat. And it, you know the meat's like forty degrees. It's super cold because you it's, it hasn't been out of the refrigerator long enough. And you season it. You put the probe in. It says seventy eight degrees, and you're like, the probe is bad. You know the probe is bad. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, getting me, those probes, ugh. Even though you know they when they work, they work well. But yeah, the, yep. like you mentioned, the biggest issue to me with the with that one has always been the probes don't seem to last as long as other probes. Yeah. Um. So yeah. All right. Let's do some tips, buddy. So. Uh, my tips are going to be around pulled pork. Uh, some of them will be pretty obvious, but uh, some of them are going to be choice based. And uh, so, you know, for folks that are new to the show, we try to give you three tips right up front. You know, despite the conversation we're having and the fun we're having, having these talks, you know, we want to make sure that people are getting something out of every episode. Um, so we try to provide three solid tips right up front from our experience smoking food. Uh, so for me, I would say, the number one tip it com- when it comes to doing pulled pork, I, I think, um, is to inject it. And you don't have to inject it with anything crazy. You can just use something as simple as apple juice. Um, that's my probably my favorite go-to to inject it with. But I just really like the moisture of the meat, even though, you know, pulled pork. And the reason why we tell people to start with pulled pork when they're doing barbecue, because it, it's very difficult that you to smoke that and not get something that's usable. Right. But uh, that doesn't mean you can't strive to make like a really good pulled pork. For me, number one tip is to inject it. Just get a nice injector. You know, I'm a huge fan of the spit jack. This be by far the best injector that I've used so far. And there are tons of them out there. Um, but that one I just absolutely love, but, uh, definitely injected with some, uh, apple juice. Tip number two, you'll have to determine what you like for yourself. But for me, I pretty much always wrap my pulled pork. Uh, I just like the way it comes out better. There are certainly people that will just smoke it from start to finish. Um, usually like around 195 because they want to preserve as much of the bark as possible. But I find I don't lose a lot of bark, or at least on the top of the pulled pork when I uh, wrap it. And the way I wrap it is I don't just take, I don't wrap it like ribs where you just lay the rib down and then you just wrap it in the foil. I actually put it in a pan because I want to capture those juices for use later um, that are that are left off the, the pork shoulder or the pork butt. Um, so yeah, so to, to me, put it in a pan, cover the whole pan with foil, put it back in. And when you wrap it it is for me, it's visual. I like to see that I have a solid bark on the outside. It's looking really good. At that point, I'm going to wrap it. You know, if the bark, if it doesn't have the color, it's not really dark enough uh, for me, not solid enough. I'm going to let it go a little bit further. That tends to happen around 170 degrees for me, but you know, it it could happen earlier. It could happen a little bit later. I've gone all the way up to 180, which is not that far from when I would pull it anyway. But if I don't have the bark that I want, there's no reason for me to wrap it. And my final... What, what te- what, sorry, what temperature did you say you'd like to wrap at? I usually end up wrapping around 170. 170. Thanks. Yeah. Right. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I said, that it's all to me, it's gotten to the point where it's visual. So a lot of folks that are early on, 
you can stick with a solid number. Once, you know, I, I, I like for it to get past the stall. It usually always falls around 165. Um, but uh, I, I after it stalls and it starts to rise again, usually around 170, I'm good to wrap it there. That's that's just how what works for me. All right, cool. Uh, final tip is get you a, and this is kind of leading into a pick early and the tech part of this, but I have found that uh, the oil separator has become an integral part to me doing pool pork. And so for folks that don't know what that is, essentially it looks like a measuring cup or, you know, it's a little <laughs> uh, jug with a spigot on it. But by using a stopper in the spout, it when you pour the juices off the pull pork, so I take the pull pork out of the smoker, I let it rest, couple, you know, two hours generally. When I'm getting ready to pull it, I remove the butt or the shoulder from the pan, and then I take the juices and I pour them into my oil separator. And it has like a little strainer on the top, so you know any little tiny pieces get kind of strained out. But then based on the with the with the uh, stopper in, the oil rises to the top and the pure juices sink to the bottom. So what happens is after I pull the pork, I will take those juices and pour them back over the pulled pork. And that just, because there's a lot of flavor there, right? And, you, you know, you can inject it, you're seasoning it, but most of that flavor is on the, that, that seasoning, that's why you get that such a good bark and you want to preserve it, is on the outside. The inside is just flavored by the fat that was in the, in the pulled pork. So when you pour those juices over top, now you've got a combination of the smoke, of the seasoning and the rub, and all of that goes back into the pulled meat and then just expands the flavor that you're getting out of the pulled pork. That's what I love to do. And uh, I suggest other people do it when they make pulled pork, you know, get a nice oil separate. Because before I would try to strain it out or would take the old school method and drop in paper towel at the top to soak up the oil Got an oil separator, never look back. Super easy, low-tech device, you know, low-tech thing to use, but invaluable in my barbecue in my kitchen. All right. I'm going to, if you don't mind, I'll probably add on. Uh, By all I, means, man. You guys I'd say that I'd say there'd be two items I would add on. I, I'm a I'm a huge believer in spraying um, when I'm using, when I'm cooking. So, um, with a shoulder, you might get, I, I'm at least usually about four, at least four hours in, um, maybe a little more before I might spray for the first time. So I would, I'd highly recommend if you, if you, um, if you're looking at the outside of the pork shoulder and it looks like it's, you know, some of the areas while you're getting a bark, you're getting, it looks like it's, I don't want to say getting dry, but it looks like it's drying out, spray it. And just get yourself something good. Honestly, even just like a little squirt bottle, um, but on a mist setting and not on a direct nozzles like spray setting and just spray it up, keep it nice and moist through the cook. Yeah. Um, where I'm going to divert from Chris is on the wrapping. I, I, I agree one million percent with wrapping your pork shoulder. However, um, not everybody is using a smoker. Like, like you might be running pellets and pellets are, they're expensive to run. And I would say after you're wrapping, you're not getting any more smoke in your meat. It's okay to bring it inside and put it in the oven at 250. It, and I, I know it almost feels sacrilegious to say that, but it's okay. Like, don't, don't let anybody tell you that you can't bring it inside 
put it in uh, the the oven and let it finish cooking. I would definitely say if you're if you're comfortable with that, just can can just consider for a moment. After I'm done, I'm bringing it inside. I'm wrapping it. It's not going to get any more smoke flavor. I'm done with that. Set your oven to 250, 275, whatever you like to smoke at um, or cook at, and then just let it finish off wrapped in the oven. Because again, you will not, you, you literally cannot tell the difference. The one benefit is that the wood you're burning, the pellets you're burning, all that stuff you're doing, you just don't see it anymore. So that's that's my recommendation around that. Cool. Yeah. So for me. Um, uh, yeah, you know, definitely emergency situations, no problem putting the. Uh, <laughs> like I can't, I can't co-sign on that one. <laughs> it's not a. You know, it, you're, you're not wrong. Yeah, you, you can definitely after a couple hours on the smoke, take your, uh, take your pulled pork and finish in the oven. I just don't have a need to do that, but uh, I know you had an issue uh, where you had to do it, and uh, there's nothing wrong with that, especially on a pellet smoker because you're right, pellets are expensive. If you're just looking for heat to finish out the pulled pork, you know why not stick it in the oven? So it's it's nothing wrong with that to me. It uh, it's not to me. It has does not lose any smoke flavor. Something about just finishing it the whole way on the smoker is just it's just how I go. So I, I don't know if it's a departure. It's just it's just an option that people can take advantage of. Yep. Yeah. And again, like I say, once you once you've conceded that you're not going to get any more smoke. You don't, don't, I just, I just say, don't feel like you're cheating. Um, and again, I'm running pellets. So if I know that I'm going to have four more hours of smoke, that's four, four more hours of running pellets. So why, why bother doing that? Or like crit, your, your thing is like an oven. Like it, your, your smoker get, once it gets super hot, it will maintain temperature for a long period of time with very little fuel. In contrast to like, if you're, if, especially on cold days, like if it's a hot summer day, I'm not as concerned with it. And, but, when I'm talking really cold temperatures, like, you know, I'm, I'm flirting with zero degrees Fahrenheit or 10 degrees Fahrenheit. My smoker is working to just maintain that temperature. And now that I've gotten all the smoke flavor, again, I, I don't, I have no problem pulling the eject, throwing it in the oven, letting it finish off. Uh, yep. and it's just, it's saving me money. And yeah, what the prices things are these days, cause I know, especially if it was running on gas, you know, you're struggling. So yeah, definitely. Um, so let's talk about uh, preparing the pulled pork and uh, getting it in, in the first place. So, like I said, uh, you, you know, they you can go with a pork shoulder or a pork butt. Sometimes your store doesn't have both available. The, really, the difference is, is is just one sits higher on the on the pig than the other, and so it's. But they pretty much in the same area, so I, I don't find I don't really see feel like there's a ton of difference in taste. Um, but that's, you know, I, I don't know. I, don't, I can't say I really look for it either, but, um, uh, one of the, my favorite things to do, uh, when I'm seasoning the, uh, outside of the, the pulled pork, uh, is to first give that layer of mustard. Um, I love putting some mustard on there because I, f- the vinegar in it tends to break down the meat as we, as we've discussed before, get it nice and tender. But of course, then it allows for the rub to stick to the outside of the pulled pork better. And so definitely uh, just regular French's mustard, pretty easy, rub the outside, season it up. I also like to layer my rub on the pulled pork. Um, I like to do some type of combination of start with the, you know, the AP base, salt, pepper, but uh, something in the middle to kind of add a little tang to it. Like, a, you know, if there's a, like a more North Carolina rub, 
that I can find, uh, I'll do that. And then on the top, I definitely like to add something with some sugar in it because that's what helps to create that really nice bark. And uh, so something that's brown sugar based on the top that can just bark up while it's cooking. And Rod is right. I'm, I kind of go back and forth between the need to spray and the desire to spray while it's smoking. Um, I generally expect a 12-hour smoke for about a 10 to 12-pound butt or shoulder. Uh, so with that, you know, Rod, you know, a couple hours in and then start spraying. And, it, you know, it, it does add a bit of a flavor. Uh, so, you know, and people are wondering, just spray with apple juice. You know, the sugar on it will help create that, a, a nice bark on the top. Um, if you want to get even fancier, go ahead and mix ap- apple juice like with some uh, with some apple vinegar. Cider. Yeah, I, I use apple cider vinegar. Apple cider vinegar, just to give it a little bit more uh, depth of flavor. But uh, I, either way, or or don't spray. Sometimes I just don't spray at all, you know, because uh, I'm going to use. It. I, I'm not too worried about the outside of it. But you definitely want you know something that cooks over a long period of time. Even when you do brisket, it's a it, it is a good idea to generally spray it so that the outside stays moist and you don't dry it up with all the heat hitting from the outside and radiating in. Now, the one thing to look out for when you're spraying any piece of meat is pooling. We should always check that there's not a pool sitting on top of the meat because what that will do is it will just keep that one area too moist and you'll never develop a bark in that area. So all you have to do is just lift up a side of the meat and let it run off to the side, but you never want to like any type of liquid to pool on top of it if you're going for like that really really well well cooked piece of meat definitely want to make sure you have your temperature gauges in because all, all you know these things tend to cook differently all the time i'm usually smoking them around my standard temperature about 250 um i think this i'm going to start experimenting going back down and temper a little bit just to see if i'm noticing a difference i've been smoking things at uh 250 275 and um I think the next few smokes that I do, I'm going to take it back down just to kind of remember what the difference is and and see what, see if I'm noticing anything after doing stuff for a long time. But 250 is generally good enough. You know, to 225 surely is is good as well. But definitely, when it's done and it reaches that 195 temperature, and if you have the uh, the butt, the Boston butt where it has the bone in it. You want to make sure that you, the bone should kind of look really loose. You don't want to pull it out yet, but uh, you know you did a good job when you grab that bone and it just slides right out. You know, then you know that's a good a good smoke right there when when it's time to pull it. And I definitely rested for me and my my caterade, yeah, you know, for a couple hours. Rod, you use what the cooler? Yeah, I use uh, I use my uh, my um, yeah, Arctic cooler. Uh, no, no, uh, I use the Arctic. Uh, Yeti is more like a bag, and I, so. I didn't want to jump in when you were talking, but uh, for the pork, like the debate between shoulder and butt, if you're, I, I like the heavier fat content in the butt. So I tend to, when I'm doing pulled pork, I gravitate towards the pork butt uh, just because I feel it, I feel it has a heavier fat to, to muscle content. For me, at least, um, I, and again, it, it could be very anecdotal, but that's what I find. So I, I tend to, um, I lean a little bit more on the side that when I'm, if I'm doing pulled pork, I'm, I'm going for a butt, and that's usually what I ask the butcher for. But I'll, I'll agree with you 100. percent I pretty much exclusively need to bone in, and I know there's a, a, 
unless I'm in a pinch where I forgot to go to the butcher and I need to cook something, um, I will 100% of the times go to the butcher and it's always requested bone in. Cause if you go to Costco, Costco, you can get a lot of meat for a little bit of money, but with a, with a, um, I think they tend to do shoulders, not butts, but they tend to cut it and debone it. So you kind of have these two flappy pieces of meat that you're dealing with versus yeah. one continuous piece, piece of meat. So this is one of those instances where I can say you could still make a great pulled pork with it, but you just need to understand that you are, you look at that big package and it, it does feel like several independent pieces of meat that are sort of sitting there and you can kind of try to roll it back together or try to make it work together, but you're going to get some different, different cook because one piece is going to be pretty small and then you're going to have the big hunking piece of uh, meat. Yeah. I also trim. I, I, I'm, I, I know people go back and forth. I will try to trim some of the fat off so I can get closer to some of the meat and get more. Yeah. Uh, flavor so on that. you make a good point there. You definitely, uh, as I see it, you want to definitely trim off excess fat on the top. Both of those cuts tend to be really uh, fatty. Yep. And so, you know, they have great marbling on the inside. So you don't need all that extra, uh, fat on the top and if you want a good bark you want to develop that nice you, you definitely got to remove it so you can get that seasoning into the meat and so um yeah so when you get to the point where it's done you know at first you know for we'll talk about how you pull it in the first place but when you pull the pork you you have a couple of options right and one of the things that i love to do and i would encourage people to try this Instead of just jamming whatever you're using to pull it and just start ripping that thing apart because you want to get to it, take the time to kind of scrape off the bark. It is actually really good just by itself. So oftentimes I'll find that I'll just take the bark and it just should pop. You kind of just slide right off and I'll set it aside. Then I will pull the rest of the meat. Now you can go and get one of those, uh, those uh what do they call those hand things that you put around your hand they kind of resemble i know what you're talking about i i don't use them honestly it's it's not worth it to me uh you know uh, my favorite thing to pull pull pork with is two forks yeah super low tech i go in my kitchen i grab two forks and i just turn them in backwards and i just start tearing away and if you smoked it well it's gonna fall apart anyway the other thing is you can throw on some gloves with the high heat gloves we mentioned on the last episode and just pull it with your hand. You know, it, it, it comes and separates pretty easily. But uh, definitely try to separate because you can either take the pulled pork when it's done and then lay a couple pieces of that bark on top of it. Or you can just eat the bark by itself. It's so good. So I'll when you're before you start pulling the pork, because I, I agree with you 100 percent on what you're saying. I I. I, I I will say if the best way to pull pork is to find somebody who likes to pull it. So, cause you cooked it, right? My <laughs> wife loves to pull pork, but she does. The, the key secret is when you pull it out and you're taking a look at it, know where the money muscle is, get that off first and secure it into a safe location for yourself. Like <laughs> don't mix that in with everything else. Like that is, that is, I, I'm, I, do you save the money muscle for yourself or do you I, just it mix depends. it with everything else? It depends. So this so, is one time you could be stingy in my opinion. Yes. Yeah, so if, for some folks listening, you know, the money muscle is something that has been named for, for people that compete. Right. And what it is, is like, there's, 
is a piece of meat when you look at the at, at the pork it, on on the pork butt. It's not on both, and it's it kind. If you look at the the striations of the of the meat, they're all running kind of a different direction, like maybe but the you know maybe back and forth or whatever. But that that money muscle, you can you can almost see it on the edge. You can definitely it's on the edge, but it just it's like one piece that has these striations that definitely run right to left or left to right, whichever way you're looking at it, right? And when you smoke it, you could actually cut that out by itself and just cut it into discs. And maybe like a inch thick disc. And they call it the money muscle because, you know, a lot of people a lot of those competition guys, they're like this is where the money's at, right? Because if you do that well, the rest of it's definitely going to be done well. So, but it, you know, sometimes they'll take that and they'll, they'll sauce those up separately. And then, you know, so what you'll see like on a competition play is you'll see like that bark. Then you'll see like the money muscle cut and cut out and then cut into little discs. And then you'll see like piles of the pulled pork in there. So they're really showing that they know, they knew how to treat the barbecue that they had. So if you, it, it takes a little practice to kind of locate it, but once you do, you can really just kind of cut from the top and then cut from the side and take it, remove that piece out when it's done, slice it and then sauce it up separately. And it does taste really, really good. Yeah. And it tends to be super tender. I mean, not that the rest of it isn't tender, but it, it tends to step its game up. The, the other, I know there are a lot of people who, well, I shouldn't say a lot. There are some people who don't believe in wrapping, but if you wrap, and, and when I wrap, I'm not just wrapping in foil. It's in a pan. The pan is wrapped. And usually when I open it three or four hours after the smoke is done and it's been resting, it is just juice-tastic. And which is why I think, Chris, you're talking about the separator because there's just so much juice in there. You're like, this is does not go to waste. And you, the first, you got to pour that pan in the separator. And um, I, I mean, when you were at my house the other day, we used the separator to get uh, that off. And yeah. you add it back into the meat. It's it's just soppy good, man. Yeah, my trick is I definitely put that back into the meat as well as yeah, whatever rub. One of the rubs that I use, usually like the sweeter one, I tend to put in there. Um, I sprinkle a little bit of that in there as well when I'm pulling it and uh, mixing it up. Um, so I, yeah, go ahead. I, I was gonna say uh, with seasonings, I know I've the last two shoulders. I think I did. I actually went exclusively with um, Malcolm Reed's uh, barbecue rub. Mm-hmm. It's good. It, it yeah, was on no, point. That uh, pulled pork you made, and then <laughs> Rod made a pulled pork, and uh, some you know ended up giving it to one of them to me. He made two. He ended up giving me one. Um, was excellent. It was really good. For that, I wouldn't change it. It's just for me, I have my own, my own style. You know what I mean? So I, I love the layers and I love the way it comes through on the bark when it's done. I love, you know, I love the uh, pecan rub uh, on top. Yeah, that's good stuff. And there's, there's nothing with just salt and pepper either, if that's your thing, because you do get clean meat taste. So my preference is if you do salt and pepper, which definitely makes a great, a simple, Salt and pepper, maybe a little bit of onion powder mixed in there. Uh, pulled pork is really, really good. But I would tell you to make sure don't grind the black pepper too finely, because when you get that 
coarser grind on the black pepper, to me, it just makes a beautiful bark on the top of, of the pulled pork. And it's just, it's just something to behold. Anybody who's barbecuing who is 40 years old or older, and you remember back in the day at your parents' house, the McCormick square little or rectangular little bottle that had pre-ground pepper, just throw it away if it's in your cabinet. You got to start. <laughs> you absolutely have to start with uh, the peppercorns. And and I think, Chris, you did a I, – I believe you did a pick a couple shows ago for your new grinder you got. Because we, you and I Love both have used thing. coffee grinders forever for yeah. grinding up pepper. Because when you're seasoning a pork shoulder, you're, you're – it's a lot of pepper and it's a pain in the butt to grind. Yeah. But I will tell you this much that new grind. Every time I use my grinder now, I hate it. Cause I think about the grinder you got that I haven't purchased. It's, yet. it's so awesome. It has that quiet mode on it. It's really strong. And the best part about it, we mentioned when we, when I was talking about it earlier is the cup is removable. So you, my old one, you have to lift up the whole grinder with this one. You just twist, pull the cup out and dump out whatever you ground up. I, I love that feature on it. It's a super simple um, piece. So, you know, we've, so we've, we've smoked up, we seasoned up pulled pork, we sprayed it, we uh, pulled it. And now there's a couple of options, there's a couple of decisions you guys got to make. I think uh, for me personally, I do not like to mix the sauce into the pulled pork. I feel like, the pulled pork should go onto the bun, and then if you want sauce, you squirt it on top of it. What about you? I, I you absolutely need to let people put their own sauce on. Yeah, I, I'm, I, I'm a firm believer in that one. Now, if I went to a barbecue joint and they mix the sauce in, would I throw that plate against the wall? Absolutely not. <laughs> I don't mind if it's mixed in when I go somewhere else. I'm just talking about for me. You know, uh, I like I like to eat. I like it, the, the sauce to be a little bit separate uh, on, on top, if at all, if I'm using any at all. Generally, uh, just because I like to keep my carbs down, I'll just put the pulled pork on a plate and eat it right with a fork. Uh, I, I don't mind that. Uh, I know some barbecue joints you go to, they like to use like Texas toast. Just uh, uh, toast it, put it on the bottom, and all the pulled pork just sits on top of that. Been there. Um, been places where it's just like two slices of Wonder Bread. Have a nice day. Yeah, I, I've seen it all. You know, f- fancy Kaiser rolls. Doesn't matter. You know that that all that stuff is up to you guys. But really determine what. And maybe you do half and half, right? Maybe you at you know half of it you put the sauce on, and then half of it you you know leave it sauce off. So I'm a. Here's the thing. I've already taken the drippings that came off the pork separated it and poured it back on so that it's nice and moist and i think you can eat it just like that and it's perfect but i i typically will have two or three different barbecue sauces and the problem with trying to mix it is i want the person to be able to make that choice if you're a tangy person and you want a vinegar-based barbecue sauce it's right there just put it on and it's not for me, it's not a, a lack of laziness on my side of wanting to just add barbecue sauce. That takes me two seconds, but I liked someone to say, "I'm a I'm a Kansas City person. I want I want a cola based sweet barbecue sauce. It's right there." And you have some people just like, "Do you have any sweet baby rays?" Because I really enjoy that, and that's my barbecue sauce of choice. It's it's right there. So if I have three or four barbecue sauces, 
it's hard to make the choice. I just want people to choose what you want. Okay. So the last part to me of a good pulled pork sandwich is coleslaw. For me, you can't, I, I can't have pulled pork without a solid coleslaw. A nice, creamy-ish, doesn't have to be super creamy, coleslaw that, uh, you know, has a bit of sweetness to it. You know, for me, I'll, I'll use some Splenda with it, uh, just as opposed to using regular sugar. But either way, I want it to have like a nice little sweet to kind of meld in with the flavor or, or the, the savory that I'm getting off the all the different rubs that I put on there. Uh, what about you? Where are you at? Um, I'm a million percent with you on coleslaw. I, I, the two go hand in hand. I mean, again, it's equal. I would never fix it and put sauce on it. I would never say the coleslaw is mixed. I wouldn't say you mix it in, but <laughs> I wouldn't, I wouldn't force it upon anybody. But I think if you, for some people who wouldn't like consider it and say, Hey, at least give it a shot with coleslaw. Cause some people just, coleslaw sits on my plate and that's on my burger. It's, you give it a shot and you realize like, man, this is pretty good. I'm not a huge pickle person. And I know some people like the coleslaw and the pickle and all that stuff in there. I just, if I ever order a sandwich, it is, please do not put pickles on it. I don't know what it is about pickles. I just don't like them. Yeah. My, my daughter's the same way. She doesn't want to see pickles anywhere, but I love a good <laughs> coleslaw. I like it to be uh, a bit heavier on the onion uh, seasoning in there. Uh, but, uh, and, and I like it to be a bit on the sweeter side is, is my preference for coleslaw. Um, but uh, definitely when I make a great pulled pork sandwich, if I go all the way in, it's going to be that nice bread on the bottom, a nice piling of pulled pork. So it's falling off the sides because I want to pick that up separately with my fingers and enjoy it. Uh, a little bit of sauce on top of that and then a nice helping of pulp, uh, of coleslaw on top of that bun on top. And then we go all the way in. I like it. I like it a little cr- <sighs> I like my, my, um, my coleslaw to be a little, have a bite to it. Like, I don't mm. want it, uh, I, I don't think anybody wants it soggy, but I, I like it a little bit more heavy on the cabbage side. I love my veggies, but definitely a little bit of a bite. And if you can add a, a little, a little heat that you get on the back of your palate. So it's not, it's not like that heat where you're like, you're sweating and you're like, man, it's just hard to eat this thing, but just enough where you're like, you bite, you chew, you swallow, and you're like, oh, I feel a little something. Yeah. That added a little something to the the mix. That man, you got it. You got it on point right there. Yeah. Now I don't care who you are. At least for me, it's pork shoulder is one of those times where you you tend to have leftover meat, and there is nothing better than the next day making nachos with it. Oh, that's interesting. Next day for me, more full pork sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I've I've yet to do the whole full pork nacho thing. Uh, I know that uh, Sean, who we had on here uh, back in season one, uh, is the king of the uh, full pork nachos in my circle of friends. Uh, but it's not, it's not something that I, I've done. Um, and we should also talk about reheating full pork as well. Um, I, I generally am lazy at that point. I've spent the whole day cooking it. I'll just toss it in the microwave. What I intend to do this year, uh, there's a couple methods and one of our fans was talking about how they actually will seal it off and then use the sous vide to reheat their pulled pork and it comes out perfect. They can just drop it in and it's ready by lunch. 
Uh, so that's a method that I want to try for sure. Um, I, I've seen that that's like a really good way to do it. Um, you know, that's a, cl- I, I have to give from a clever standpoint because you, when you think of sous vide, you're thinking of cooking not reheating, and not reheating. Right. And it is perfect. Like if you say, Hey, I'm going to have a pulled pork sandwich for lunch and you know it, or you're going to have it for dinner and you're just trying to get it back to an edible temperature, you don't have to go to 160 degrees. You can just say around 120. Take it out of the refrigerator, throw it into like a vacuum seal bag, throw it in the thing and know that I can come back in a couple hours and it'll be uh, at a consistent temperature. Two hours. And just think about the folks doing meal prep stuff, right? You just you do your pulled pork, you enjoy it that day and then you portion it out um, and just grab one of those and heat them up as needed. You know, because I've I've also heard of people putting it in uh, those uh, vacuum seal bags and just using boiling water in general to reheat them. Yeah, I mean, but here's the thing: whether you do, you know, like you, my leftovers go to more pulled pork. You go to nachos, tacos, uh, like um, burritos, and all that stuff. There's so many options. Yeah, I don't like. I always say the biggest challenge is uh, lack of creativity as to what you want to do with that extra meat, so it just doesn't go to waste. Now, I agree. You might say. After two days, I don't want to see any more pulled pork or I don't want to eat any more pork shoulder. People are getting tired of it. But if you can, if you can mix it up a little bit, like, Hey, we'll have some nachos, like just not a lot of the pulled pork. And then maybe the next day we'll, we'll turn it into some yeah, enchiladas with, you know, can, the pork can I tell you something there? that's been on my mind to do? What's and, that? uh, is a pulled pork baked potato. Ooh. So I want to take, good. I want to take a, a regular potato and I want to take a sweet potato, bake them off, cut them open, stuff them with pulled pork, and then just, you know, eat that as, as a starch with the pulled pork. So there, I haven't done it yet. Um, I've heard of like a bar, like there's this place my buddy was talking about he goes to in Texas where they do barbecue potatoes all the time. And so it just kind of got me thinking about because I've been meaning here to put a shoulder on here soon. So it's got me thinking about doing something like that with a sweet potato, specifically for me, but having both an option to do uh, regular potatoes as well. So I know at probably hopefully in the next week or so, you'll get an opportunity to make a breakfast on your smoker. Because I, I, I was hope I was hoping that maybe next episode we could talk about breakfast, but you have yeah, a chance to I, jump into yeah, it. Yeah. So before we record the next episode, I'm going to have to make one of those little breakfast rolls. Um, Rod's been making a couple, couple of we made like three or four of them now. Yeah, and they've been outstanding. So I, I got to jump in there so we can have a good conversation about it. Um, so maybe this weekend I'll bang one out and then uh, we can have a conversation about it. That sounds like a plan, man. All right. So for folks that are uh, wondering a good oil separator from me, uh, I will tell you, I use the OXO Good Grips uh, separator. Uh, I believe I have like the four cups one. It's only like 16 bucks. Uh, That's all you need. You don't need something massive in size because you can certainly do it in uh, two levels. And like I said, it has the stopper in the the spout. Uh, But more importantly, it also has the strainer. The top of it is a strainer. So when you pour it in any of those little tiny pieces, they'll get caught in the strainer and then you'll just have the liquid in, in the cup part of it. And then you just pull the uh, the uh, the stopper out and then you just pour away. And, uh, you know, you just pour and you'll see the oil stay on the top while the uh, uh, the nice juices that you want go to the bottom. And one of the main reasons why I like doing this, doing it like this as well, is because, you know, when the pork gets cold, 
uh, that fat starts to seize up, right? And so when you, if you just pour all of the juices right back on top of it, you're pouring, you're adding more fat. So when you reheat it, it's it's a bit sloppier than it is when you first cook it. So by just doing this, you you kind of it for me it it not only adds flavor but it makes the leftovers much much better as well. I will have to co-sign with you on that. I think when I look at that one, it looks very similar to the one I have. I don't even know if mine is OXO. I always say oil separator. It's one of the most basic things, but I use it for tons of things when I'm cooking. Cause anytime you're doing something with the sauce, yeah, you're always dealing with fat. Definitely a lot more than that. But, uh, yeah, we've never, we've never really mentioned one before. And, uh, definitely it, uh, it's a thing that I like to use. All right, man. So let's get up out of here. Uh, thank you folks again for all the support, all our patrons. Uh, love you guys. We hope everybody's enjoying the discord. We hope, we, you know, you guys are continuing to grow, help us grow the show, get more people out there. We still got some cutting boards available. We have some, uh, ashtrays available. We plan on probably at some point ramping up and making some more and some new designs. Uh, it's just been a little bit cold. Uh, so we've been chilling and we're going to have to start talking about prepping for memorial day yes barbecues get yourself ready yes all that good stuff so yeah all right all right until the next episode we'll see you guys thanks peace peace there's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plush care PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm.